0: Welcome to a podcast on marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Ogren, and this is a podcast where we talk about marketing. So today I have Nick with me. I'm going to have him start off with the first question. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Who am I and what do I do? My name is Nick Jetta. Um, I'm the CMO at Numa Media. Uh, We're a web dev design and development company. I handle a lot of our client strategies, our internal marketing, I consult for a few of our clients. Really the majority of my life is spent around I mean I guess like the strategy and brand conversation, but really diving into a lot of the tactics and you know focusing on how marketing can drive legitimate revenue. I think there's a pretty there's a pretty big discussion around the fact that like marketing is a flop science <laughs> for the most part and that you do a lot of activity and where do the results come from and how much time does it take? And I just really spend a majority of my time in the weeds of like, okay, if we're going to put this time and effort into a single place, how are we making sure that it's actually going to provide an ROI to our business? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, being a CMO, um, there's a big conversation to have. I mean, Numa's a million dollar company as of last year. Our goal is to have five X within the next 18 months. Um, and, you know, we're really looking to scale. So it's a lot of fun, but <laughs> yeah, that's nice. a pretty easy background.
0: Nice. Well, welcome to the show. First question, just a little ground ball. What is marketing for? How do you think about kind of like what is the job that marketing should get done in a business? You kind of touched on it, but.
1: Yeah, shorten the sales process. Like marketing, marketing should not just get people into start the sales process. Marketing should become the entirety of the sales process. A lot of people see marketing as capturing leads or starting conversations. And then once that starts, it's passed off to the sales team, right? Mm -hmm. My vision of it and hope is that by the time that, oh, sorry. Somebody just called me, but that by the time, um, By the time somebody gets to our sales team, all they have to do is close on the call, right? They're ready to buy, they're a high intent buyer, they've been educated enough about our product, Um, they know exactly what we do, how we're gonna help them, why we're the better solution, all of that stuff should be covered in marketing. Mm -hmm. So it is a lot less about, yeah, how do we get somebody in the door, and it's more about how do we create high interest within a buyer so that they're willing to reach out and close on the first call.
0: Hmm, That's good. How would you, what is your definition or kind of dichotomy between good marketing and kind of bad marketing or marketing that isn't working?
1: (laughs) Yeah, good marketing, good marketing creates high intent buyers. Like that's what it is, right? Good marketing is going to make somebody want your product or service because they see how it fits into their daily lives and actually improves it for the better. And I think like at a base, that's really it. It's like good marketing has nothing to do with metrics. Obviously, functioning marketing is going to increase revenue for a company. But good marketing from a consumer perspective is going to be the thing that makes you realize that you should own or utilize this product or service in a way, right? There's a lot of companies out there who have strong marketing that I've probably seen a bunch of but their marketing to me would be considered bad if I don't feel or understand their organization enough to gauge whether or not I have a need for that product. Hmm. So marketing is bridging that gap of basically being like unaware that I even have a problem in the first place to basically being hungry for that solution.
0: Okay. What is one of your strongest held beliefs right now about marketing?
1: Oh boy, this is a good one. Um, man, I have so many, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, one of them, the first one that comes to mind, um, is that you have to be able to execute before you can optimize. And this comes from like a really functional form of marketing from that. Like a lot of people want to automate their marketing, make it easy. Um, realistically have it, you know, just like run in the background and how can we schedule our posts out and how can we hire somebody to write for us and, how do we redistribute all this content? So basically, it's like the lowest amount of input for the highest amount of output. And I think, sure, you can get to a point, but you have to understand how it works, one, manually first, and two, a lot of good content comes from the subject matter expert. So I think, I guess, yeah, one, you have to understand it functionally before you can actually optimize and automate the process for it to work. But then that's the other thing, right? A sub, The subject matter expert has to be at the front of the content. If you own a company, an organization, even as like a small business, and you want to outsource your marketing, a junior marketer, a marketing intern, an entry-level marketer isn't going to be able to write you content that actually does what the what the content needs to do for you. They don't know your subject well enough. They're probably not good enough writers. They're not going to share your tone of voice. Um You know, they don't have your backstory to tell, like all those things a founder, a business owner, a subject matter expert has, you're never going to be able to pull out of some kind of entry level marketer, which is usually where they sit because they don't want to spend a lot of money (laughs) in order to get the content out that they need. So yeah, those would be the two things of like, you have to understand something manually and you have to execute it before you can actually optimize the process and that the subject matter expert always has to be at the front.
0: Mm -hmm. So to your first point, you kind of have to understand the basics, the kind of tackling and blocking before you can go above and beyond of automating, of scheduling, of doing kind of the extra. We kind of want the quick results. We want the tree without actually planting it and
1: watering it uh, day in and day out. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, say you don't know how to cook, right? And you want to hire a personal chef and that personal chef comes in And as they're cooking, you're trying to tell them how to do things differently, but you don't know what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong because you've never actually understood the craft yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing kind of comes from marketing in the standpoint of like, okay, you can hire somebody to do your marketing for you. And then when they deliver you an outcome, how do you know whether or not it's good or bad if you don't actually understand it in your own, in your own terms, right? Oh, they wrote a blog for you and they go, well, great that, you know, that's not what we want to talk about. Well, how, how, how are you supposed to know what's good or what's bad if you haven't figured it out manually so it, it makes it almost impossible to outsource properly which is where you get into companies who have a lot of revisions through their processes of building and creating because they never knew what they wanted or needed in the first place mm-hmm. and it makes everything really difficult so other
0: than kind of wanting the results right away what else gets in the way of manually understanding like what are some roadblocks or things that kind of keep people from understanding the manuals, the basics of marketing to then be able to effectively outsource it or
1: do it internally. I think it's like, it's honestly, it's a lack of effort or it's not even a lack of effort. It's just like a lack of belief, right? Mm-hmm. There's a really tough gap to bridge where people understand that they need marketing, but then they also don't believe that marketing works. Um, and so it's like they want to backseat drive the marketing car and they don't really know. So then somebody, a marketer can come in like me and tell them that, hey, we're not going to focus on vanity metrics. We're really going to focus on educating the consumer. Your leads are going to go down and hopefully after a while, you know, the quality of leads is going to increase. And they come back and they go, well, we heard that blogs work. We heard that gated content works. We heard that this works. So we want that because we're the customer and we don't trust you. Hmm. It's like, well, okay, if you don't trust me enough to do it, then why are you hiring me in the first place? And so it's, they want to hire somebody to do it because they don't understand it, but they still want to be in charge of the direction, which is, but they don't understand it. So it's like, it's such a, you know, you're just like butting heads in that point, but it really just comes down to like a lack of trust for a lot of business owners. Mm-hmm. And it's not to speak for everybody. There are business owners who are like, we don't get it, go do it for us. We're excited to see the results. And those are the people that are a lot of fun to work with. But even then, you know, those people that hand it off, they still have to write me a lot of content, they still have to provide me with a lot of the messaging and the understanding of, you know, their company, or they just have to look to me for strategy and they still have to do all the work. Hmm. Because again, the subject matter expert has to be at the front.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. It's almost like doing a diet, but not expecting it to work. I mean, it could work, but it's like, you're not believing in it, which then, you know, usually to your execution point, you're not going to execute that well. You might have that sugar donut because it's like, yeah, it wouldn't work anyway. Yeah. No, I like like that.
1: I think it's better to literally do nothing than it is to go out there and just like fumble your way around marketing. (laughs) Right. Like if you're not confident in your energy. Well, and also it's like, you're either making a good impression or a bad impression right like somebody is getting an impression of you whether you like it or not and like is that a good thing mm-hmm. if you're out there ca- creating a bad reputation because you're marketing like a jackass <laughs>
0: it's
1: like well great then i like then it's it, you know it's tough to get a no because yeah. that no will probably never turn into a yes and so if you're not creating consistent yeses for your target audience you may as well stay silent cuz you you don't want the nos <laughs> mhm
0: no, I, I agree with that. I've never formulated that thought before. It's a little bold, but I definitely agree. You know, kind of just doing marketing half-ass is just going to almost do worse for you than just mm-hmm. spending the time going golfing rather than writing that post, you know, at two to three. Well, or and it's
1: tough for marketers who were making our living off of this. So it's like, yeah, you know, just half-ass it because it'll put some <laughs> money in our pocket. But, you know, being strict with the client, just, you, know, you either should do this right or you should not do it at all. And sometimes that conversation will flip the switch and go, okay, if they're telling me that I shouldn't do it at all, maybe it's time for me to like step Mm -hmm. into this and do it
0: 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. I like that. To jump a little bit to something on your uh, profile, you talk about four steps of the marketing process. First, identifying opportunity, second, generating leads, third, executing, and four, repeating the action. Where Mm -hmm. do you see a breakdown most in companies?
1: Which still Oh, there's not. I don't think there's anything um, that is like, (laughs) I don't don't think that there is something that people struggle with more than others. It really does gauge, you know, because at any point of a stop in that process, you're gonna see zero output. So just in that process, the most commonality is that there is a block somewhere along that chain, right? You either can't identify when there's an opportunity to improve your company and capitalize through marketing. You can't generate an idea on how to capitalize on that opportunity. You don't have the team or the ability or understanding on how to execute, or you execute one time and then you never do it again. Right, so all of those things lead to zero output. And it's kind of figuring out within each company who the roadblock is. And sometimes it's founders that are roadblocks, sometimes it's the team members that are roadblocks that you have to replace, sometimes it's the systems that you have to rework and refix. So those things are all different, but at the end of the day, if there's a roadblock in there, it all leads to zero. So do you just find the four steps helpful to
0: identifying those roadblocks or to kind of at least have a framework to work with companies to kind of see, okay, this is a step that we're having issues, let's dig deeper, or
1: what, what's the main value that you derive from those four steps? Yeah, it's 100% identifying the roadblock, right? Because it could be one roadblock that if that thing is taken out of the equation, marketing becomes simple right a very very natural part of their everyday business if they can figure out what that holdup is very rarely honestly is it a list of holdups throughout that process sometimes it is you know sometimes there's one block at every single step of the road and we have to kind of take down you know all those pieces before we can start to rebuild and find some momentum but when you realize that like oh the holdup is that the founder wants control of writing all the content okay let's find you a good content writer you know, it's really simple, we'll find it cheap, you provide them the topics, a framework, they're gonna go off and write you a ton of stuff every week, done. Or, how are you, what's an opportunity for you guys to capitalize on marketing right now? It's like, oh, we don't have a system to track data or like, anecdotal data from our customers. Well, it's like, great, you have no way to identify opportunities, we're gonna put a system in place to show you opportunities because you have the team to execute. Mm-hmm. And so it's really finding like, that one piece of the puzzle that says, this is where you're stuck, Let's get rid of that. Let's put one thing in motion and let's see if more roadblocks pop up in the process.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it kind of tries to make it more of a scientific experiment where you're uh, pulling things in and out, seeing what draws or doesn't draw any sort of reaction. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I like that. It
1: fully allows me to understand the business before I <laughs> tell them what's going to work so many marketers are like hey this is what we saw that worked and so now you need to run this process and you need to be on linkedin and you need to start a podcast and you need to be on twitter Well, no not if that's not where your audience is not if that's not how your team can create the most effectively not if that's the type of content that you have a team to write for right now like for some people it's like youtube's gonna crush for you and you have a video guy so let's run that until we can start to expand but you know, it allows me to understand the client and their actual problems and, you know, have a, like you said, like a scientific approach to let's solve this and see what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. I feel one thing I see is not that I work with a ton of marketing or companies, uh, but just nobody wants to diagnose a problem first, which there's this book called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by uh, Richard Rommel. But he talks about that's always the first step, like you can't build a strategy Until you actually know, like you're talking about where are those roadblocks, what is the actual issue? Like you go to the doctors, they don't just say, hey, I think we're going to pull the liver. It's like, what's the diagnosis? Like share with me what's going on here and then I can make more sense of it. So it's not like you're saying you don't just have the SEO expert coming in saying let's do SEO where it's like, but why or what? what benefit? What is this going to help me overcome? Rather than, okay, you're an SEO expert. I get it. Uh, that's kind of all you do. So no offense mm-hmm. to any SEO experts listening. You guys are great. <laughs> do things I can't do. So I think you've touched on a few things that you kind of disagree with, but like, what is one of the main things that you continually find yourself disagreeing with other marketers or other people just in the marketing space on of like, ah, oh, why don't they see it my way? Oh boy.
1: Man, that's, That's hard to say because, like, I think there's not a lot of things I disagree with. I think there's just marketers that either get it or they don't. And when it comes down to is like, yeah, I don't know if there's a disagreement. I just think I'm really, really bullish on the fact that marketing has to create demand for your product in the sense of that it has to be incredibly educational, informational. It has to educate the consumer on what their problem is, why they need to solve it, and what the benefit of you solving it versus somebody else is, mm. right? And like just having that framework, and it's it's so much less about the platforms you're on, the times of day you're posting, the things you're doing. Like it just doesn't matter if your content sucks, right? Like it, so, I think it's just really, really bullish of me being in that space of are you providing information that your audience actually needs to see or hear in order to want your product, right? At the end of the day, people over, I mean, this this might be what I disagree on is, people over romanticize marketing. There's a ton of avenues, there's automations, there's different platforms now. I mean, you have TikTok, YouTube is starting shorts, um, podcasts, what, like you name it, there's so much stuff. And it's the thought process of like, oh, in order to be successful, like, If you're a business and you're not on TikTok, you're screwed, okay? If my audience isn't on TikTok, I'm not screwed, right? So marketing becomes over-romanticized, and at the end of the day, it's really simple. Who is your audience? What do they care about? Where do they spend the most amount of time? That's one thing in marketing that hasn't changed since the dawn of time, right? If you can get in front of somebody, tell them the right thing, and actually have a solution to their problem, it's game over. There's no reason for them to not work with you. And so I think it just it's simplifying that process.
0: Yeah, no, that, that I like that. Yeah, it definitely is over romanticized, just too much. Sometimes people make it uh, too much on their point of view too, rather than like you're saying, basics, right? Right message, right channel, right person. Like it's it's that simple. It's been the same way since, you know, 1800s, if they were doing uh, marketing back then. But yeah,
1: no, well, I like if you that. Look at, what we're doing at NUMA right now is actually a switch that we did. So, When I started at Numa back in March of last year, I was working on a lot of strategy products for clients. We didn't have any internal marketing that we were sending out to try and get inbound leads. Like marketing just didn't really exist. Um, A lot of personal branding stuff, not a lot of company branding stuff. And as we stepped in and tried to do this, it started with like, let's just put something out there, right? Let's get some stuff rolling. So at least we have it and we have an image online. Once we had the image online, it was, okay, let's 10x this. Let's see how much content we can produce a week. And we really harnessed the Gary V model of, you know, let's get some pillar pieces, let's break it down, let's get on all avenues and let's try everything to see what works and see what doesn't. Well, over, you know, the last couple of months here, we noticed we're putting a lot of time and energy into all these platforms. Some of them aren't bringing us an ROI. Great, we fully cut them out of our marketing now. Like we're not on channels that we were like giving a lot of time and energy to. So we can 3X the amount of time and effort spend on the channels that are working. And now we're back to the basics of LinkedIn, podcast, Twitter. Those are the only three platforms that we're on. We post on Instagram, but that's because we have content from LinkedIn and Twitter that we just cross distribute and it takes zero time. But like those are the three platforms that we're spending all of our time. You get people to like, how are you not spending time on Instagram and TikTok and, you know, writing blogs, but it's just it doesn't really pay a huge return for us. So we're not going to spend
0: time there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's something I see a struggle with is too many times, maybe early on, or just regardless, they try to do too much with their marketing. They try to, you know, go to every Pinterest for making boards and random stuff. And it doesn't even apply to their, you know, where, like you were talking about where that uh, prospect kind of is actually. Um, And as if you're marketing to kind of businesses, LinkedIn, there's there's like some you can kind of count on, but like you're saying, it's important to test those and then also not be emotional to say, hey, I thought blog posts, I thought this was going to be it, but it's not because data and I'm going to cut it out and not have any emotions <laughs> yeah. rather than continuing it because like, oh, this person said that SEO is the way or blog post content for life and it's like it's just not working this channel is actually giving some light let's go all in on that i think that's really important especially starting out i feel
1: something we've been doing um that's been the most helpful data collection i think every single company should do this and if you're not you should start almost immediately Um, we're just collecting anecdotal data from our in our sales process, right? We see somebody who books a free assessment with us, who responds to a cold message, who starts a conversation themselves. First two questions we ask are, how did you hear about us? What was your very first interaction with us? And what actually made you decide to reach out or book a call,
0: hmm.
1: right? Because those two questions, if they could book through the website and all we collect data on is like, oh, we had another sales come to the website. Most people would say, great. If we're getting conversions to the website, let's drive a ton of traffic to the website and increase levels of conversions. Well, no, they might've converted on the website, but they might've heard about us through LinkedIn. They might've converted and gone to the website because they listened to a podcast. And now that website was just the avenue, but it wasn't the reason.
0: Hmm.
1: And so being able to collect that also shows us, okay, what avenues are they actually seeing us and paying attention on and what pieces of content are actually bridging the gap from I have a problem to I'm ready to get it solved. Mm. And if we can track that stuff, which no real software or piece of software metric tracker in most marketing attribution software is like, they don't cover that stuff. So if we can collect it anecdotally through Accountly or just by asking it on the call, well, now we know what platforms to stay on. We know what our messaging should be. We know how to position ourselves because we're hearing it directly through our target audience. And not trying to just decipher it by guessing or saying, mm-hmm. hey, they came to the website. Let's drive more traffic to the website.
0: That's good. What were you like? So obviously you made a switch to add this to the forms to talk about it. What were you doing before or were were you doing nothing before just using like the data you're talking about that can't always I mean, give
1: you clear? Yeah, we were pretty much doing nothing before. Um, and as we look at, okay, like marketing, and I don't remember if you just talked uh, mentioned it a little bit, but you know mar- at the end of the day marketing has to drive revenue to your business like right? it otherwise why would you utilize it right getting likes followers engagements exposure like all of those metrics are great but they don't mean nothing if there's not a higher level of conversion so as we instilled that mindset like if we're going to do marketing we're going to do it in a way that benefits our business what do we have to implement in order for it to benefit our business and this was kind of just the answer of hmm. like we yeah. have to know what marketing is working and what marketing isn't because the majority of people that come through our, you know, our funnel don't really engage with us online. They watch in the background for a while. You know, they, we might not even have known they existed, but they're in one of our entire company's like 30,000 LinkedIn followers. (laughs) So, you know, like how are we supposed to know everybody all the time that comes through here? And this was just our way of getting raw data collected that otherwise we wouldn't have the information to.
0: Hmm. No, that's good. That's something definitely going to think about on my side as I, we don't currently do that. But that's a great idea just to figure out, you know, what's actually working. It's it's qualitative, but I find some of the best insights are qualitative and not always quantitative as, you know, kind of numbers and such.
1: Yeah, I just I put out, a. I think it was on a LinkedIn post, but I put out a tweet today, right? If you're looking for what kind of content you should post to attract your customers and increase their level of education, it really stems from three things. One is buyer's journey. Right? How do they want to buy? Like, What process do they actually want to go through to buy? Because you should make it as easy for them as possible to buy. And you should change your content and positioning and messaging around that. And then the other one is questions they ask you in the sales process. So if you're going through the sales process and they don't understand something and they ask for a clarifying question, it means that it wasn't clear enough in your marketing. So that now becomes marketing content. And the last one is offboarding. So as yeah. after we work with a client, it's what did you like, what did you not like? Well, great, we didn't like this, or we really liked this. And it's like, okay, if you really liked it, we're going to tell everybody that we do that now. And if you didn't like it, we're going to change it in our process, and then we're going to talk about it in our marketing. So all three of those things are qualitative data, right? But I think they're the most important pieces of the puzzle to understand in order to craft your messaging and positioning to actually educate your buyer on why you are more beneficial than somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm. No, well, that's good. I like the three. I always enjoy mm-hmm. things in threes. That's good. So I have two final questions. I think these will be the uh, final questions of the podcast, but since this is early in it, we can obviously change. But one of those final two questions is, Is what is one thing you've changed your mind on in regards to marketing in the past one to two years? So I believe this two years ago, I radically believe something different now.
1: <laughs> oh, my, my buddy and founder is going to laugh if He hears me say this, but um, processes. I was just like such a stickler on having a system and framework in marketing is inherently uncreative, right? This entire idea that if you want to go through a creative process, you are not allowed to have a process built in it. Because if you're going through and checking the boxes, it's not allowing your mind to expand in left, right, up, down ways to get the best result. And that you had to start everything from scratch and brainstorm in this like willy nilly way. So totally thought that processes were inherently uncreative. And what I've found is that processes and frameworks are the exact thing that allow you to be your most creative. Because if you look at the creative process, there are a lot of things that you must do in order to get the end result that you don't need creativity for. Right. There's pieces of the puzzle that you essentially have to put into place that if you spend too much time thinking about every single time from scratch, it's actually taking space away from when you do need to be creative and come up with the result. So those processes and frameworks should be used as a multiplier to open up more space and not as something that is seen as (laughs) uncreative. So I've totally switched my mind around that. And I'm really, really big on everything should have a process, right? I need to know how we're gonna start and finish this because it's gonna save me time, it's gonna give me a better result. And right, a process is gonna be the thing that allows you to deliver a consistently effective result. Right, if you don't have a process or framework and you're approaching something from scratch, the result you get every time could be all over the map. But if you have a process or framework that's gonna deliver you in the ballpark, then you at least can guarantee that you're going to get something at a certain level done and then that room for creativity decides how well it's actually done so yeah processes and frameworks they're not (laughs) uncreative they are essential for creativity like you look at um, documentary on netflix called abstract have you ever watched no it's really great um all about designers artists people and it's uncovering their creative process right how they start and finish a project and what is the process they go through every single one of them has a creative process, right? Sure, it's a little bit different for every single project, but they know that in order to create X result, they have to go through these certain motions every single time. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to consistently deliver at the level that they want to. Hmm. So, yeah, it's been such a big switch. You don't (laughs) need to start from scratch. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every single time. You get Mm -hmm. to start with a framework and you get to craft it however you want. So. Yeah,
0: no, that, that's good. That's a good takeaway. Glad, <laughs> yeah. glad that you're humble enough to share it with us. I think <laughs> um, something I found with writing is, you know, you can't improve your writing if you don't have a process because really it's improving that process when you edit, when you write, how you write. And if you don't have a process, like you said, you're kind of just doing these one off things and it's impossible kind of improve the process, which the process that improves the output. So you're constantly refining the process and once that process, I think there's, you know, kind of, you could get into the complexities of templates kind of are like, you could argue our process. I don't use templates when writing because I think to your point, that would put me too much in a box of put this at the start, whatever, but it's still saying, well, we have a loose process. So I think there's, you know, complexity in that of like, there could be some point to, if you are too templatized, if you have to write, you know, the opening always is, two paragraphs or whatever, it's like, ah, that's going to actually hold you back. But I do agree with you that the process, you know, is actually enables, ironically enough, more creativity because you just sit down every day. You know, that's my process. I write 30 minutes in the morning in whatever, uh, rather than saying, you know, I'll write when I feel like it. So no, that's, that's really good. Um, that's the what, other thing.
1: It's, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, it's a point of, it's a point of reference, right? So if you're, if all of a sudden you go through the process and you hit a roadblock or you don't get a great result. Well, it's like, great, you know exactly what you did to get there. Which piece of the puzzle flopped? How do we improve yeah, it? So look back. that way the next time you attack it, you improve that one piece that didn't really work out. And again, it becomes a science where everybody thinks marketing and creativity is this flop that's like nothing measurable. You can actually go back and look and you said, no, I did these steps. This is where it fell apart. This is what we're going to do to change that next time. And you try it again and it works. And now you understand it. Hmm. So it's a great, great point of reference to be able to consistently improve the level of creativity that you can bring to projects.
0: Hmm. I like that. That's a great that's a good one. I think the uh, audience and I will definitely uh, use that more in areas where I'm not putting processes. All right. Final question here. Going to veer a little Mm -hmm. bit off marketing, but still in the marketing realm. What is one thing outside of business or like content marketing that you do that improves your ability to market? So for me, it's meditating, reading a book. Like what is something you do outside of business, outside of productivity, that actually you come to marketing and you're like, hey, I'm better at it now because of this.
1: Yeah, reading and walking. Hmm. Really like the only two things that, um, yeah, I, mean, like, I don't even know how to put it into words, but like reading will fill your brain with new ideas, right? It helps you conceptualize thoughts. It helps you understand different perspectives. It helps you, I mean, depending on the books you read, you could read nonfiction books for all I care, and you're going to understand people and behaviors and how somebody might think. And there's just like, there's so much newness that you can fill your brain with, with reading. And then I think the second piece, which is the opposite of that is walking, is where you empty your brain, right? Then you think about nothing. And for me, what happens is that when I go out and I think about nothing, the only things that show up come from like underneath the surface you're like great that's one thought and it's usually pretty provoking or it makes me think about something in depth through the remainder of that 45 minute walk Mm. and so i think those two things combined together allow me to essentially like decompress and step away because if i'm working on marketing action all day long well then i'm only thinking about what's in front of me and if i step away and i Get rid of everything, or I fill my head with new ideas. I come back to those problems I was working on with a perspective I didn't have prior, yeah. which allows yeah. me to again be much better at what I'm actually doing. So, yeah, yeah m- reading and walking.
0: <laughs> that's great. I'm a huge walker, huge reader. I would even add for me, writing just helps me kind of get my thoughts on a page, kind of like mm-hmm. reading does. But no, that's really good. I don't know who said it. David Olgaevi, somebody in the kind of writing space really said you know your best ideas come when you're running you're lifting weights you're sweating because that's like you said you're not focusing on writing the headline you're not focusing on a content strategy so you're able to have things percolate or things kind of rise to the surface that doing would never allow for it so it's almost not doing is actually where you improve uh doing yeah. it's a have paradox read, of
1: life. Um, have you read stillness is the key by ryan holiday
0: oh yeah huge fan huge yeah fan that, that i book. mean
1: that's like his whole thing right course your best ideas come from you being in the shower it's because you've been thinking but you've been thinking about it for so long Mm -hmm. right and so when you let you relax and you stop thinking about it you're actually putting all the thoughts together into one coherent message and that's where your answer comes from is that allowing us to step out of it
0: definitely agree with that so to the book final question that i didn't say Mm -hmm. third extra question what book are you reading (laughs) what what's a book that you just read maybe that is really impactful that you love to share
1: yeah two um one is your next five moves and i'm gonna pull them up so i don't botch the authors and titles (laughs) um yeah let's see here library so yeah one is your next five moves by patrick Bet david and then that one i just finished which was great and i'm now reading the culture code by daniel coyle these are the two that are on the table right now
0: Awesome! I big fan of the Patrick. Guy. I haven't read any of his books. I watch his like YouTube channel. He mm-hmm. has a big YouTube channel, but that's awesome. Definitely, then push me to read it. And thank <laughs> you for sharing those. I'm always trying to add a book to my 55 books that are on deck. Anyway, you know, because <laughs> why not? Anything, Nick? You'd like to add before we wrap this up? Any plugs? Plug yourself up to the outlet. Whatever you want, <laughs> man. This is your. No, I
1: mean anybody who wants to hear what I have to say on a daily basis follow me on Twitter uh, at Nick Jetta follow me on LinkedIn and those are oh and also of course if you are in the market for a website we have to plug Numa Media which is Numa P-N-E-U-M-A I can't spell because I'm dyslexic without looking (laughs) at it Um, (laughs) co, and then yeah perfect awesome
0: you guys got a podcast too right let's plug that as well oh yeah
1: Um, We have a podcast, it's really only on Spotify, uh, but it's called How to Build a Website by Numa Media. We talk about all things that are web development, SEO, building an agency. We have guests on there, of people who have had eight-figure agencies, who are on the road to eight-figure agencies. Um, Yeah, it's a great podcast for anybody who's really looking to improve their own business in-house. We focus a lot on the idea like, you know, our content should be something that you could take with you and implement today without having to hire out for it. So yeah, it's a good podcast to just make small improvements on a day to day basis.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I've heard a few episodes, so definitely recommend it. Thank you, Nick, for being on the show. Really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you for having me
0: on. And this is the close, the exit. piece. Have a good day, everybody.